Well, good morning and happy Father's Day to the dads who are here with us this morning. I invite you, if you have a Bible or a Bible app on your phone, to join me in the book of Ephesians. It's near the back of your Bibles, um, Ephesians chapter 6. We're going to look, be looking specifically at verse 4 this morning. As you're turning there, Tim said it best um, is in his prayer in the sense of Father's Day. You know, some of us, t- today's a difficult day. It's a difficult day because for some, um, your father is no longer with you. I mean, he, he passed maybe last, this past year or even several years ago. And so those emotions, um, they're very fresh for you this morning. Um, and so today's a difficult day. For others of you, today's a difficult day because quite frankly, you may never have known your dad. Or maybe your dad walked out on you when you were young. Maybe walked out on your mom. Whatever may be the case, you, you're struggling today on, the father, on Father's Day because you have resentment. You have emotions of bitterness, anger, um, confusion. And so Father's Day is a difficult day for you. I mean, as it said in the video, 25 million children live in fatherless homes today. I don't have to try to prove to you that fatherlessness in our culture is a problem. And as someone once said, we've seen how to do it wrong. We've seen how to do it wrong. The question is, how do we do it right? How do we do it right? Is there a solution? Can we reverse the tide of fatherlessness in our culture? Can we change that? I believe we can. I believe that there is a way. I believe that there is hope for broken homes, for broken families, for broken relationships between fathers and their children. And I believe that that hope and that way comes from the inside out. It comes from the inside out. If you're new to Living Church with us this morning, you've jumped into actually the conclusion of our series that we've called Inside Out. And Inside Out has basically been a study on a first century letter written by one of the greatest missionaries of the Christian faith to ever walk the planet. His name was Paul. And so we've been looking at this letter that Paul wrote in the first century, and he wrote it to a church, maybe a church similar to Living Church this morning, and he wrote it as a means to encourage them. Now, to review quickly, we need to understand a little bit about Ephesus, the city in which this church lived. Ephesus, for those of you that are new, Ephesus was a kind of city like Vegas. Whatever happened in Ephesus stayed in Ephesus. It had this filled with sexual perversion, um, sexual promiscuity, greed, all this kind of stuff. That was first century Ephesus. And when Paul wrote this letter, he wrote it to a church living in Ephesus that was under Roman rule, under Roman law. And actually, fathers in that culture under Roman law, they had a a law called the father's power, which basically meant that a dad could treat his kids, he could treat his family as if they were his own personal property. So in that case, by law, if a dad got angry with his kids, he could actually disown them legally. If he got angry with his kids, he could sell them into slavery. That was law. He could do that. And if he got frustrated with his children, he could actually even have them killed. I mean, can you imagine trying to live Christ in a culture like that? I mean, here you find yourselves as a church in Ephesus, as a group of people that are trying to follow Jesus, and you live in a culture where children are unwanted, children are neglected, they're severely abused, and they're treated as property by their own dads. And if you think about it, things aren't too much different today. 
But on the flip side, if you're a father who, who loves Jesus and you've been transformed by the gospel of Jesus Christ and you're loving your kids and you're caring for your kids and you're providing for their children, then you're going to stick out. You're, you're gonna, people are going to look at you and say, wow, you're different from all the other dads. Now, it would have been difficult to be a father in that culture who loves Jesus because you go to work and all the other dads are treating their kids like property. All their other dads would be like, it's all about my happiness. I'm walking out on the family. I deserve this for me. And so for you to stick around as a dad and for you to actually care for your family and to love your kids the way that Jesus loves you, that would have made a difference. That would have been revolutionary in that culture. But it would have been difficult because you as a dad probably would have been ridiculed on the marketplace. They would have looked at you differently. You would have even been seen as going against Rome at the time. And so it would have been difficult. And that's why Paul writes this letter to encourage, specifically in the verse that we're going to look at today, he writes this letter to encourage dads. He says, dads who are inside Christ, I want to encourage you. I want to give you the fuel you need to stay. The fuel you need to not just stay with your families, but the fuel you need to live Christ among your family in a culture that's desperate for Jesus Christ. And so he writes this letter to encourage the church in Ephesus. And we began this series by looking at in chapter one that Paul begins his letter by bringing this church, these people, back inside Christ. In chapter one, verses one and two, he reminds them that, listen, when you repented of your sins, when you surrendered your life over to Jesus, you came inside Jesus, made possible because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. You put your faith in him. And the moment that you put your faith in Jesus to forgive you of your sins, he brought you inside Christ. And now Now, as a dad, in this context, in this message, as a dad, you're inside Christ. And now your identity is completely changed as a dad. You're not trying to find your identity in the achievements of your children and their successes or even in their obedience because you already have your identity. Your identity was purchased for you at the cross by Jesus Christ. And so now you're inside Christ. You have a new identity as a dad. You see, uh, you have a new view of fathering as a dad because now you're focused on the love that the Father has given to you. And so now how can you as a dad father your kids the same way you're fathered by God himself? And so you have a new view of fathering. And then inside Christ, we were reminded that you have all the furnishings you need to live Christ in a culture that desperately needs Christ. You have the Holy Spirit, God himself, living within you. You have the power of the resurrection available to you. You have the grace of God pouring, lavishing, being filled up in you so that now you can pour that out to your kids. And that's how Paul starts his letter, and that's why I believe he starts his letter that way, because he wants to remind the church, don't forget who you are and where you really live. If you're inside Christ, that's where you live, and now you father from the inside out. And Paul's going to show us what that looks like. What does it look like to be a dad inside Christ? So dads, men, and some of us are here on different spectrum. Some of us have young kids. Some of us have, our kids are already grown up and they're away. They're living in other parts of the country. Others of us don't have kids yet. Listen, all of us are different spectrums and when it comes to fathering. And some of us here this morning, you're maybe a single mom. Maybe there's a dad not in your life. Dads, we need to take that challenge upon ourselves to come along those kids and be the dads for them, be a role model for them. And so Paul's going to help us men answer the question, what does it look like for a father who's inside Christ? What does fathering look like for a dad who's inside Jesus? 
We've seen how to do it wrong. The question is, how do we do it right? And Paul is going to give us some answers. Join me in the book of Ephesians, if you're there. Chapter 6, we'll read from verses 1 through verse 4. He says, Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may go well with you, and that you may enjoy long life on the earth. If you haven't had your kids memorize that verse, that's a great one. That is a great one. All right, verse 4. Fathers, do not exasperate your children. Instead, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. What we're going to do this morning is we're going to break this verse down. We're going to pick it apart because what Paul's going to do in this verse is he's going to give us some things as far as how do we do it right, dads? How How do we father from the inside out? And he begins and he addresses here saying fathers. So Paul is primarily speaking to dads here. But this word that Paul uses for fathers was also translated parents in Hebrews chapter 11 when it was talking about Moses and how Moses' parents hid him in, in, in you know, the bulrushes, the, in, in the whatever it was called. I don't know where they hid him, but it was his parents that hid him. And so Paul uses that, that word to describe parents as well. So in the broader context, this could be applied to moms as well. But specifically, I think, because of the culture in which Paul is writing and a culture where dads could pretty much treat their kids however they wanted, and throughout biblical history, we also see that the primary responsibility of the home was on the dad. And so this is specifically written to fathers, I believe, from the Apostle Paul. So what's a father inside Christ look like? We'll keep reading. It says, fathers, don't exasperate your children. Instead, bring them, bring them up in the training and instruction of the Lord. And the last phrase, the last few words, of the Lord, I believe is an umbrella statement that Paul makes. He's saying, listen. And he's, remember who Paul's talking to. He's talking to, to fathers who have surrendered their lives to Jesus. And he's saying, dads, you need to be a father of the Lord. A father inside Christ, a father who's going to make a difference in this culture, is going to be a dad who fathers of the Lord. And Literally, that phrase of the Lord speaks of supremacy. It speaks of to someone that you belong to. It's kind of like me saying, I'm a citizen of the United States. In essence, what Paul's saying, listen, you need to bring up your children as of the Lord. They belong to the Lord. They belong to him. Psalm 127, verse 3, just listen. It says, children are a gift from God. Jacob, one of Israel's patriarchs says this in Genesis 33, 4 and 5. He talks about when he goes and sees Esau, or actually when Esau, his brother, comes and visits him, and it's kind of this awkward family reunion. Esau's looking at all of these kids, and he's going, whoa, who are all these kids? And Jacob says, all these kids are God's gracious gift to me. So here Israel's patriarch recognizes that his kids, Jacob recognizes that his kids are God's gracious gift to him. God himself in Joshua 24 says this. He says, Abraham and Isaac's descendants, I gave them to him and to them. They came from me. They're my gift to you. And David, recognizing his many sons, he says, God gave me the many sons. Dads of kids, maybe you have kids in the next couple rooms in the nursery and living kids. Maybe your kids are growing up. Maybe they're different parts of the world. Those Those are God's gifts to you. There, he, he specifically gave you your children for you. They're yours. But before they were ever yours, they're his. And so the question is, how are we treating our kids? Dads, how are you treating the gifts that God's given to you? You know, early in our marriage, um, probably our second or third year, Andrea bought me a gift of, um, of golf clubs for our anniversary. 
Now, I like to play golf, but I'm not a golfer, okay? By that, I mean I'm more of a hacker, okay? I go out there. I love to play, and usually I'm best if I play by myself, okay? I don't really like to go play with people that really know how to play because then I get all, it's even worse for them and me, all right? But she bought me this, this gift of golf clubs, and early on, you know, I was using them and, and whatever, but through the years, you just get busy, and it's been a long time since I've played golf. You know where those clubs are? They're sitting in my garage in the back corner. They're dusty. They're dirty. They have cobwebs, I'm sure, all over them. They haven't been opened in years, right? And it's interesting about golf clubs because you have a driver, you have a putter, you have all your different irons, and they each have a different purpose, kind of like kids, right? Some of your kids are like a driver. Some of your kids are like a putter, all right? Some of your kids are, I mean, they're just different, right? They all have different purposes. And what happens many times, dads, as we forget that these are gifts given to us, and sometimes our kids are there, they're there, they're just waiting for us to reach out to them. And they're gifts given to us by the Lord, And if you're going to be a dad who makes a difference, you're going to understand and you need to start understanding and treating your kids as your kids are gifts from God himself to you. And tell them that. Whether your kids are 35, 40, it doesn't matter what age, call them up and say, listen, I just want you to know, I thank God for you because you're God's gift to me. The father of the Lord is someone who fathers their kids as gifts from the Lord, but A father of the Lord is a dad who doesn't infuriate his kids. Look at, Paul keeps writing, he says, fathers don't exasperate your children. Now that word exasperate means to wrap Hello? Okay, I'll do it this way. The word exasperate means to rouse to wrath, to anger, to infuriate, to make bitter to the point to where they no longer want to forgive you. Speaks of holding a grudge. Now keep in mind who Paul's talking to and the culture in which he's talking to. He's talking to a group of dads who've been changed by Jesus, and literally he's saying, dads, don't be like everybody else. Don't treat your kids in a way to where you just infuriate them to the point to where they no longer want to forgive you or they will forgive you. They no longer want to be with you. You don't have to be like the dads in the workplace, the dads at the sports bar. You're different. Jesus has changed you. And because of that, you father differently. You father from the inside out. Well, how do we end up exasperating our kids? What are some of the things that you do and I do that end up exasperating our kids? Well, I found this list, and and I thought it was pretty much spot on. If you want to infuriate your kids, then do this. Always fault find. Always criticize. They get home from a soccer game, you've been sitting there, me, sitting there in the chair for two hours, drinking a Coca-Cola, whatever, in the hot sun, I got my shade. My kid's been out there playing for two hours. He's a hot mess. He's dripping in sweat, gets in the car, he said, and he's exhausted. I'm like, man, I, you just weren't as aggressive as I thought you should have been. Am I a moron? I, do I want to infuriate my kid? Absolutely, then I'll keep doing that. And I'm guilty. I've done that. You can ask him. Okay? I'm not a perfect dad standing up here. I'm preaching to me. And I've done that. But if you want to infuriate your kids, always criticize, always fault find. You know, or your five-year-old's out there, you know, sweeping off the the grass, off the clippings, right? And you go out there and you're like, you missed a spot. She's five. 
You know, she's willing to do something to help the family. But do you want to exasperate your kids? Always fault find. Always criticize. And your kids will remember this. I have a great relationship with my dad, but I will never forget in high school when I was involved in a vocal competition and through school and I was competing against all kinds of other, other kids. And it was just me and, you know, you have your judges and everything. And I got done singing. I will never forget. I walk out of the room just competing, just finished competing. And the first words out of my dad's mouth was a critical word. I'm 41, and I will never forget that, ever. Our words can be harsh, and our words can end up infuriating our kids. If you want to do that, always criticize, always fault find. Have unreasonable demands. Don't expect of your putter something that only a driver can do. All right? Have unreasonable demands. Neglect them. Don't spend time together. All right, no, don't build a relationship with your kids. Josh McDowell, who was a youth speaker, written all kinds of books, he said a quote, and I heard it 20 years ago, and I've never forgotten. He said, rules without relationship lead to rebellion. Rules without relationship lead to rebellion. Build a relationship with your kids, and each one is different. Just this past couple weeks, I've been convicted by this, obviously, as I study it. And I went to one of my kids and said, What's something you and I could do that you would love to do that would just be fun? Just me and you. Just me and you. I want to know. Ask your kids that. Observe them. Find out. Spend time with them. If you don't and you continue to neglect them like my golf clubs in the back corner, you will infuriate your kids. Other ways that we do this is show favoritism. Why can't you be like... Don't listen to your kids. They come and you're working or something. They spent who knows how long painting this little picture in the room. And they come and want to show you the picture. And you're like, and they're like, Dad, Dad. And they want to show you the thing. And you're like, yeah, 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 great. Dad, you didn't even look. Ugh. You know, you didn't even look. Don't pay attention to your kids. If you continue down that path, you'll exasperate your kids. Don't show affection. Dads, hug your kids. Love on them. Hug them. Hug your sons. Hug your daughters. Don't, this is good. Fist pump is good, but go past that. Hug them. Bear hug them. Love them. They need it. Sons need it. All right? If you want to exasperate your kids, then don't have standards or correction. And then maybe have standards, but then don't hold your kids to those standards. Listen, I was thinking about this. We will set up invisible fences for our dogs. Okay, go with me on this. All right, we'll put the little collar on the dog. Why? Because we don't want the we want to protect the dog. We want to, you know, protect a little fluffy out in the yard. Right? So we put the invisible fence, we spend all kinds of money. We want a boundary for our dog. Because life would be awful without Fluffy. Right? So we put the little thing on the collar or collar on the dog, and we'll do all that, and we expect boundaries for our dogs. We'll even put our dog, a boundary out there for our dog, but somehow we think it's, oh, we shouldn't have boundaries for our kids. Or we shouldn't expect our kids to hold to those boundaries, to correct them. And we'll look at this in a minute, but if you truly love your children, you will discipline your children, you will correct them. And if you don't, you will infuriate your kids. Kids need boundaries. They want boundaries. They may act like they don't want boundaries, but they need them. They need them. 
And if you don't give boundaries and you don't hold them to those boundaries, then you will exasperate your kids. So how do we stop exasperating our children? All right, how do we keep from doing that? Well, in the context of where Paul is writing, he's writing to, to dads who are inside Christ, who are focused on being filled with the Spirit of God. And he writes something very similar in another letter called a Colossians. And in Colossians chapter 3, he says something very similar in verse 21. He says, dads, don't embitter your children. And just before he says that, he says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. The first step in keeping yourself from exasperating your children is you being in the word of God. You grounding yourself, you being immersed in the truth of Scripture because it's through the truth of Scripture that the Spirit of God will flow through you as you father your kids. They're, they're linked. The Word of God and the Spirit of God are linked together. And if you want to rely on the Spirit of God to be a dad, then you first need to be in the Word of God itself, hearing from God himself. So you want to keep from exasperating your kids, then you need to be in the Word of Christ. Listen, my dad had a huge temper as a kid. I mean, awful temper. I, he would tell me stories. I'm like, how, how am I alive that, that you didn't like take that out on me? I mean, he was an awful. And then I somehow inherited that wonderful temper. I remember playing ping pong with him as a teenager. And man, we would get into it. I mean, we would have some serious battles and he would beat me nearly every time. And every time he beat me, I would lose it. I would get uncontrollable. I would take my paddle and I would throw it. I threw it at him once. It's it's God's grace that I'm standing here. So you got a dad who had an awful temper. You had a son who had an awful temper. And somehow every time I lost my temper with him, he was completely calm about it. He never, ever once lost his cool with me, ever. You know why I believe that's true? It's because my dad was in the word of Christ daily, daily. I will always remember my dad every morning when I got up for school, he was either on his knees or in our big, ugly orange chair reading his Bible. And it's because of the word of Christ and the spirit of God filling him that he was able to control his responses to me when I wasn't controlling mine. And so if you want to keep from infuriating your kids, you need to be in the word of God. Some other things you need to do, guys, are you just need to pray and ask God for help, ask God for victory. You need to be thankful, and this is where I struggle, you know, when I was thinking about how we can improve and and we should, but just thank God for your kids. Think about each one and how they're different, And, and, and thank God for how they're different. Thank God for your driver. Thank God for your putter. Thank God for your nine iron. These kids, how they're different. Thank God for them. Spend time with them. Someone said this, kids spell love this way, T-I-M-E, time. They spell it time. We need to spend time with our kids. And listen, dads, if you don't want to exasperate your kids, and when you do, because you will at times, you need to tell them you're sorry. Own up to it. And I've had to do that. I've had to sit all four of my kids on the couch. And I've had to go before my kids and I've say, guys, I am sorry. I lost it. Please forgive me. I've had to do it. I'm not proud of it by any means. But there are moments as a dad when you have to sit in front of your kids, you have to tell them, I am sorry because I have not been who Christ has made me to be as your dad. Please forgive me. 
That's how, some of the ways we can keep from exasperating our kids. So if you want to make a difference in this culture, Dad, then you need to be a father of the Lord, which involves fathering your kids as gifts from the Lord because they really are gifts from him to you. You need to be a father of the Lord who doesn't infuriate his kids, and you need to be a father of the Lord who educates his kids about Christ. Again, going back to that phrase, of the Lord, specifically he's referencing the teaching and the training of Jesus. That's why it's our mission to train you and to equip you to know Christ. Why Jesus? Why, why tell them about Jesus? Because Jesus never said he was a way. He said, I am the way. Listen, your kids are sinners. My kids are sinners. I don't ever have to, when they were little, I did not have to teach my children how to do something wrong. That just came completely natural. All right? That comes from sin inside. And the only way that they can be forgiven of that sin is through Jesus and what Jesus did for them on the cross. That's why you tell them about Christ. And you may say, well, I just want them to choose on their own. Oh, they will. They will. And they may choose wrong. But don't let them not choose Christ because you never told them about Christ and the forgiveness that they can receive through Christ. That's why you tell them about Jesus because it's only through Jesus that that they can have their sinful hearts forgiven and be promised a forever with him in heaven someday. And Paul says, listen, here's how you educate your kids about Christ. You bring them up. The way Paul writes that phrase, he's speaking this is like a lifestyle. Dad, he's saying this needs to be part of your lifestyle as a dad where you are educating your kids about Christ. It's something that you do. It's a lifestyle. It's a habit. God said it best in Deuteronomy 6, 6, and 7. He said this, And these words which I'm commanding you today shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your sons, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise up. It's just something you're always, be- and you're always teaching them about Christ. Just the other day, God was convicting me about, do my kids really understand what sin is? So I got my two little girls, five and seven, in the back seat. We're going to the bank. And I'm like, girls, do you mind if I ask you a question? They said, yeah. I mean, no, go ahead, Dad, ask us. I said, just something that God's kind of been teaching me lately. I wanted to ask you a question. Do you guys know what sin is? So I'm just on the way to bank, to the bank. You know, now that conversation ended in like 20 seconds because their attention span is like, Dad, why are we going to the bank? Oh, never been to a bank. I, this is pretty, you know, but in that 20 seconds, I had an opportunity to talk about sin with my kids. All right? And it, sometimes it's around the dinner table, whatever it might be. And as ta- I was talking to somebody earlier today, you know, you start telling your kids and you have all these great intentions as a dad. We're going to sit around the dinner table. Everyone's going to be quiet. We're going to actually open the scriptures we're going to read. And then it turns into chaos. Absolute chaos. At least sometimes it does. All right? Where you're like, everybody's loving at the beginning, and then the end you're like, all hate each other. Right? You're grounded. You're grounded. Go upstairs. We love Jesus. Right? But you educate your kids about Jesus. You bring them up. It's part of your habit. It's a life thing. And he says you do this through nurture or through training. Through training. That speaks of action and discipline. And it's interesting because the word that Paul uses for training here is the same word for training in 2 Timothy 3.16, which says all scriptures God breathed and it's profitable for what? For doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and training. So how do you train your kids about Jesus? You get them in the book that tells them about Jesus. This is where you got to be. You got to start with the scriptures. 
You teach them about who Jesus is. And that using Scripture teaches them about Christ. And, and you know, when they're little and they can't read, then you get books that, and you read it to them. The Jesus Storybook Bible is a fabulous little book that we have read to our kids. It's great. You teach them about, about Christ through the Scriptures. And when your kids are older, you ask them, are you spending time in the Word? How are you and Jesus doing? I'm convicted because as a dad, I'll do that with everybody else in this room, but am I doing it with my own kids? I'll meet with you for coffee, and we'll talk about your relationship with Jesus. Do I do that with my own kids? You're, maybe you're meeting with other people and talk about their relationships with Jesus. Are you doing that with your own children? We've got to teach them about Jesus, and that starts with using the Scripture. And it also, wrapped up in this word, training involves not just a scripture, but involves correction. You see, when you nurture and train them using scripture, you're teaching them about Jesus. When you use correction, you're teaching them about their need for Jesus. If you never correct your children, you can never tell them about their need for Jesus. Correction allows you to tell them that they have a sin problem. That's why they need Jesus. And wrapped up in this word training is this idea of correction. And so when you correct your children, you're able to point them to the gospel. You're able to correct them to Christ. And so if you're going to train them of the Lord, educating them about Christ, it's going to involve nurture, which involves teaching them about the scriptures, which teaches them about Jesus, and it's going to involve correction, which is teaching them about their need for Jesus. Their need for Christ. Then he also says, train them up, but also instruct them of the Lord. That word admonition speaks of training with words. Again, I believe Paul is just heightening all the more reason for us to get our kids in the scriptures. Get our kids in the truth of God's word. And listen, dads, if we're going to educate our kids about Christ, we need to first educate ourselves. See, I don't know where to begin. Just start. Just open up the Bible and just start reading. And start writing down all the things you observe about Jesus and just start talking to your kids about it. Just start talking to your kids about him. And Paul says it's our responsibility, dads. It's ours. Someone once said this about our responsibility as parents to educate our kids about Christ. He said, never surrender your responsibility to your children. Meaning, don't leave it up to your kids to learn about Jesus at least when they're little, it's on you. You need to teach them about Jesus. Don't surrender that over to them. Don't surrender your responsibility to the school. There are certain things you may delegate to the school. The school may teach them mathematics, but don't delegate completely your responsibility to the school. Don't delegate your responsibility to the church. That's a great mistake that many professing Christians make. Now, it's, it, I don't think he's saying that they can't learn about Christ from the church. Absolutely they can. Or if they're involved in a Christian school, absolutely they can learn about Christ in that context. But he's saying ultimately the responsibility is on the parents. And it lies with the dad to teach their kids about Christ. And he says they delegate all the spiritual responsibility of bringing their children up to the church. And that's a very, very sad thing. So dads, if we're going to make a difference in this culture, if we're going to be a dad who's inside Christ, then we're going to be dads who treat our kids as gifts from the Lord because they are. We're going to be dads who don't infuriate our kids. We're going to be dads who educate our kids about Christ. And then finally, we're going to be dads who father from the inside out. We're going to be dads who father from inside Christ. We've got to remember who Paul's talking to. He's talking to dads who've surrendered their lives to Jesus. 
They've repented of their sin, and they've come inside Christ. So they're not trying to find their identity and their kids' achievements, even in their kids' obedience. Because their identity problem as a man has been solved because they're inside Christ. And so now you father out of the love that you've received from your heavenly father. You father out of the joy that you have received from your heavenly father. And you look to your heavenly father as to how you should father your own kids. Paul said it in Ephesians 5 verse 1. He said, be imitators of God, therefore as dearly loved children. Father your children as your heavenly father fathers you. And so you're not looking to try to prove your worth, dad, by how you can lord over your kids. You're not trying to prove your worth by how good your kids can be at sports or how good they might be in the classroom. You're not. Your identity is inside Christ, and it's so critical that we understand that. But you can't be a father of the Lord without first being a father that's in the Lord. That's in the Lord. I was reading an article recently about what kids really want to hear from their parents after they've played a a sport. And they took a poll, and the kids were like, I just want to hear them say, I just love watching you play. I thought about them. How beautiful is that? has nothing to do with their performance. has everything to do just about them. Just about them. And so when they get in the car, you know, and after reading that article, I'm like, one of our kids is coming back from basketball. I'm like, you know, I just love watching you play. I just love watching you play. And dads, listen, there's going to be times when you fail. You have the greatest intentions, and you're going to fail. You will. And then you go and you confess that failure to Christ. You confess it to your children. And inside Christ, as we said, talked about several weeks ago, there's a Niagara of grace for you, waiting for you as a dad that picks you up and encourages you to keep on fathering of the Lord. And in those moments when you confess that and you're being washed through the grace and the love of Jesus, I believe the Heavenly Father is going, I just love watching you be a dad. I just love watching you be a dad. I know you're not perfect. Just keep looking to me. I just, I just love watching you be a dad, Mark. I just love it. You say, maybe some of you here this morning are going, what about my kids who've turned away from Christ? And some of you may be in that situation. The Scriptures tell us in Proverbs that each person chooses to fear the Lord. And maybe you have taught your kids about Christ. Maybe you've put them in, in, in a church context where they've learned about Christ. Maybe you have modeled Christ to them. And you can do all those things. And sometimes kids still walk away from Jesus. They do. I want to encourage you that if that's you, it's not necessarily the parent's fault. Don't abandon hope. God has called many children back to himself. And some of you came to know Christ later in life. You're proof that God can call you later in life. And he can still do the same with your child that maybe has walked away from Christ. And so you pray and you keep praying because the prayers of a faithful and righteous person availeth much. You keep praying like crazy for them. Don't give up. Because just as maybe he called you to himself later in life, he can do the same for your child. So don't give up hope. So how do we, dads, how do we as men, how do we turn the tide? How do we do it right? Paul gives us some clues. He gives us some principles. And he says, dads, if we're going to make a difference in our culture, 
We're going to be dads who father of the Lord, which means we're going to treat our kids as gifts from the Lord. We're going to do everything we can not to infuriate our kids. We're going to educate our kids about Christ, and we're going to continually remind ourselves of who we are in Christ as we father our children. As we father our children. So, Dad, are you a father of the Lord this morning? Maybe you, you, what's your response? What's your takeaway? Maybe some of us need to sit our kids down. Maybe we need to get on the phone to some of our adult children. We need to apologize to them. We say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. If you're here outside Christ, for you, surrender. Repent of your sin. Look to Christ. Have your identity problem solved. Come inside Christ and let him do the fathering through you. And if you're inside Christ, look around, look to him, look to Christ. Remember the grace that is available to you as you continue to father your children. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your truth of your word, that it's so relevant, that it's so practical. And God, I pray that as a result of the dads and the young men who will become dads, the grandfathers that are here this morning, Lord, that we as men would would rise up and we would take this challenge, that we would truly father of the Lord. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that we have an example that we can look to. And not just an example, but you're the source for the grace and love that we father our own children. And so, Father, help us to be a movement of men, a movement of dads who stop the tide of fatherlessness. And Lord, help us to come alongside our kids and show them how much of a loving father you have been to us and how much of a loving father you are to them. And if there's any father here this morning that's outside of Christ, I pray that right now in this moment they would surrender their lives to you and they would come inside you through the grace available to them through Christ, his death, and his resurrection. Before I close, maybe during this next song, you want to just come to the front and kneel at the stage or just stand and you just want to pray. I want to give that opportunity for you this morning. Maybe you're a dad, maybe you're a child and you just want to come and pray for your dad. But I want to give you that opportunity as we sing this song. So let's stand together as we are reminded of our Heavenly Father and how much He loves us and it's through that love that we can love our own children this morning. Amen.